Property Talk on the Tyne. Investment tips, stories and exciting guests with your host, Tony Fares. Good morning, everyone. So welcome to today's episode of Property Talk on the Tyne. And today it's one that is going to be very close to my heart and it revolves around Newcastle United. So for anybody who hasn't been living under a rock, you'll probably realise that the Newcastle United takeover has now happened. Uh, it was verified by the Premier League yesterday evening. That's Thursday, the 7th of October. And that actually makes Newcastle the richest club in the world. Now, not just the richest club in the world, but just to put a bit of perspective on this, that Manchester City's owners are worth around about 20 million. Chelsea's around about seven, sorry, billion that is, 20 billion. Uh, Chelsea coming in at about 7 billion. The Saudi Private Investment Fund have a net worth of 320 billion. So I think we're definitely going to see some ripple effects in the local market. Uh, I think it's a fantastic thing for the football club. But not just that, I think it's going to have massive, massive impact on property prices in our area. And I'm going to talk you through a little bit why I think that is today. So I'm absolutely buzzing, a little bit hungover, uh, but let's get straight to it, shall we? Um, so Private Investment Fund, they're going to own 80% of the club. The club's been sold for $300 million. We've got Amanda Stabley, who's going to own 10%, and the Rubin Brothers, who've previously been, I think they came in at, I think it was 60th on the richest people in the world on a Forbes list. So we've got some real, real big hitters behind us, but got some real good savvy businessmen in there as well. So very, very interesting times for the two. So let's start with the private investment fund and talk through similarities between Manchester City and Newcastle because we've seen a lot of you know Middle Eastern money come into the country before into a football club. And what it's done for Manchester is outstanding. And that's where I think the main benefit's going to be in terms of improving our city and helping with the regeneration of that. So Manchester City took over by, I think it was someone from Dubai or some crown prince or someone along those lines. And it was a lot of oil money that was pumped into the club. But what they've done is they've regenerated the east of Manchester and it's it's just been absolutely great for their city. And you'll hear that as I talk through some of the research that I've done this morning prior to coming on. Um, because I did have an idea, but I didn't realise maybe quite so much how good the actual ripple effect was. Um, so... East of Manchester has seen some massive regeneration thanks to the, the new owners of Man City in 2008. Um, it's been the hottest place to invest probably for the last 10 years, the Northwest. And I've always said I thought that pendulum was going to swing towards the Northeast, and I think it's just swung. And I think it's now here. So Manchester has 30 further hotels planned. Um, that's all off the back of the football and the tourism, that the money that the pump has generated. Um, but not just that, there was a think tank centre for economics and business and research, so CABR as it's known. Uh, and they said competing for a league title could actually increase a city's economic growth by 1.1 points um, due to spending on match day tickets, merchandise, hospitality, um, and other things along those lines. And City's title challenge with Liverpool apparently brought in £220 million to the local economy. So we're not talking little numbers here, we're talking game-changing numbers. Um, so I think for Newcastle, you know, if they're going to come in and, you know, we're going to be challenging at the right end of the table for once in my lifetime, 
then I think we're going to see things like the pubs are going to be more full on match days. The restaurants are going to do well. Uh, no doubt the divorce lawyers will do okay as well because us men will be out of the football more than we probably would. Because for the last 14 years, we've had no hope. Um, it's been very hard to show our passion. And, you know, I've got plenty of friends who give up that ticket because we've more or less tread water for the last 14 years. Um, so just talking a little bit more about Man City. So they've actually got a programme called the City in the Community Programme. Um, it's actually seen them thousands of hours actually invested in worthy causes. Uh, and that's from disability football teams. Uh, all the way through the mental health support for vulnerable youngsters. So these people who come in do seem to care not just about the club and the players and, you know, having a new toy, because uh, that's all these things are with these guys. Um, they actually do seem to care a little bit about the wider region and the people who live there. And I think that's more than evident in Manchester at the moment. Um, so there is the small matter of the spent £200 million on the football academy. Uh, that's covering eight Jaegers beside that he had. And I think our training academy in Newcastle, everybody said it from Alan Shearer to Kevin Keegan, you know, at Alan Pardew, the training facilities are shocking at Newcastle. Um, I've heard firsthand the decorations poor and they're just light years ahead of the clubs at the moment. So we're definitely going to see a lot of money spent at the training academy. Now for Newcastle, what does that mean? It means a lot more jobs in construction. More people in construction, higher wages, more competition between businesses who tender for the contracts. So the construction business in Newcastle is going to benefit, no doubt, from that. Um, so not only did they do the academy, they also donated five and a half acres of land and £12 million towards the Beswick Leisure Centre, the sixth form Connell College in the Manchester Institute of Health and Performance. So... They're definitely not just yet for the clubs by the looks of it. Um, and I think given the way that we're finding, you know, the economy and, you know, wider economic factors given the pandemic that we've just experienced, councils are really tightening that belt. So any outside investment coming into a city or a region is definitely going to help, I think. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing some of the benefits of that. So 2014, City's Owen has actually formed a business venture with the council. That was called Manchester Life. And that was with the aim of building 6,000 new homes in Ancoats and the New Islington area. Um, many critics have argued that Manchester Life has done little so far to help the city's low earners. And they actually suggest, in fact, it has contributed to spiral rental costs. Now, I know that's not good for, you know, your working class average person. But for property investors and landlords, that's certainly a good thing if we're going to see rent prices pushed up. Um, when Cottonfield Wharf opened in 2017, rents for a one-bed unfurnished flat started at 675, um, and now one-bed flats are being offered on right now for £865 a month. So looks like quite a substantial increase there in a relatively short space of time. Um, and although apartments vary in price depending on where they are, um, it still represents an increase of almost 30% in less than four years. Um, we haven't seen rents increase you know, those sort of levels in my lifetime in this business. Um, they've been quite stagnant with slight increases, probably more in line with inflation or the retail pricing index. So, you know, if we can start getting those increases in rents, you know, I think that's going to help everybody who's building portfolios. Um, so if we can share those same increases as a result of the Newcastle takeover, I'm sure that'll help my finances and those of my fellow landlords and investors. But where does all the rental income go? You'd think because the council have a 
agreement with Manchester City, you'd think that the council would actually benefit from the rental income. Well, that is not the case. The council do not benefit at all from the rental income. However, they do have a long-term profit share agreement, and I'm sure with capital values increasing, the council will do well out of this longer term. Now, if the Newcastle Private Investment Fund can do the same sort of thing in Newcastle, we've got a lot of areas that are deprived, we've got a lot of places that need some money spent, there's plenty of land there for the taking. So I think we could see some great, great projects, some real good regeneration, and some beautiful places to live as well. Um, so that's a little bit about what they've done in terms of the property side, which not a lot of people probably expect a football club owner to be invested in the city that they have a club. Um, there's obviously players. Now, you know, I think the last time I looked at the figures, I think Man City have spent close to a billion pounds since their reign took over in 2008, whereas Newcastle United's net spending has been around about £10 million per year in the same time. Um, you know, we've had to be self-sufficient. You know, we didn't have a owner who was prepared to bankroll it. Well, now we do. Um, and I think given this investment is going to be on the same level as City, we're not going to be to do that because of the financial fair play. Um, but we do expect a better quality squad. I do expect to say we're making multiple signings over the next few windows. And more importantly, if you listen to Amanda Staley's statement yesterday, she sets out that her vision is that we'll be challenging for the Premier League within the next five to ten years. Um, it's a big statement, a very, very big statement, given the top six's domination in the last few years. Um, and it's going to be really, really tough to break into that. But, you know, we've got the support of the fans. We're a United City now. And it looks like we've got the, the owners to back up. So who are the owners? We've touched on the private investment fund. Now let's touch on the Ruben Brothers. So the Ruben Brothers are two really big property developers. Um, they started out in the scrap business, but they developed their fortune from real estate or property investment. Um, they recently bought Monument Mall in Newcastle, um, and they're going to be 10% shareholders, but they actually themselves have a similar net worth to Manchester City's owners. So we're talking some real, real big financial backing here, and just hopefully they're not afraid to spend a quid or two. So what have they been involved in? What do the Ruben Brothers do? So we can look at London, for example. They've been involved in Cambridge House. That was £130 million development. Build it in Arcade, £300 million. The Millbank Tower, £120 million. Now, that was actually the tallest building in the UK until the BT Tower's completion in 1964. They've got £90 million spent at 100 Paul Mall. Um, 65 at Clareville House. And obviously, we could look into that little toys and things, you know, which are not so little when we're talking this sort of amount of money. You know, they have £65 million yachts and a £20 million private jet. So it's not just London that they've been investing, or they've actually got hotels in Mykonos, Sabifa, Greece, and the USA. Um, but I don't care about the hotels in Mykonos and the USA. I want to know what they've been actually doing in Newcastle. And this is the shit that you want to hear. So... What have they done so far? And have the Ruben Brothers been involved in Newcastle for longer than we perhaps know? And the answer is yes. Now, I knew this myself, but I don't think your average Newcastle fan, a property investor, would know this. But let's look at the Pilgrim Street area in Newcastle. It's just off our main shopping concourse, Northumberland Street. And it's a patch of land that covered the old former Rodian site all the way down to the fire station and the parcel of land next to 55 degrees north. Now, what's important about this site is it's actually the gateway to the city. 
if you come over the Tyne Bridge, you can't help but look up this street. And it's been an area that's been run down, derelict, you know, not the nicest of areas. But we've now seen the Audience Cinema demolished. That's now home to the popular ledger facility, the stack, where the Geordies go for a beer on a weekend and a bit scrum. Um, we've got further down, we've got the old fire station. So the plans there are all... I think the whole development down there is, runs into hundreds of millions of pounds, but it's involving the transformation of the fire station and the police station, or the whole of that, sorry, in a, a world-class hotel, restaurants, bars. So it's going to be a part of the town that we previously never visited, but we're about to start visiting. But what's important is how many jobs that this development is going to create, because there's multiple office blocks that are being built. And if you see the shell of the one that they're currently in the middle of, constructing right next to 55 degrees north, it's going to be pretty impressive. And I think the stats that I read said, we're looking at in excess of 4,000 jobs created just from that one office block. And there's going to be multiple of those on these sites. So really, really good for employment in our area. We have more people in employment. We have more people who can afford to buy houses. That means property prices are only going to go one way because the demand levels are going to increase. Fantastic if you own property already. So, is it just Northumberland Street or Pilgrim Street where they've invested? And the answer is no. Back in 2018, Arena Racing Company, which the Ruben Brothers own, um, purchased um, multiple race courses and greyhound tracks up and down the country, and that included Gosfaf Park or Newcastle Race Courses, a lot of people know. Now, they've invested millions of pounds there. They've changed the track from a traditional turf or lawn track to an all weather. So, you know, you know we don't get the weather up here in the north, but now we can run racing without the potential for it being called off. They've created a conference centre there. They've redeveloped some of the stands, and they've also refurbished the job Bullman pub that's on site as well. So they've started spending some money there, and they've really created some real high-end real estate, because it is a beautiful little place, Gosford Park, um, hundreds of acres of, you know, greenery and the racetrack and whatnot. And, you know, there's plenty of nature there. So really nice place to live. So they've capitalised on that and created some homes. Um, so they're not strangers to the city. They've been here for more than two years. They seem to have their head screwed on when it comes to property investment. And the Ruben Brothers' involvement in the club is probably what excites me the most because I'm not just a passionate Newcastle fan. I'm a passionate property investor. And I think the fact that these two things are married up now is absolutely bloody brilliant. Um, so who's next? Who else do we have involved here? So we've got the private investment fund. We've covered the Ruben Brothers, but we also have Amanda Staveley. So who is Amanda Staveley? So she's previously been described as Britain's most glamorous financier. Um, she is a good-looking chick, to be honest with you. Um, she's 48-year-old, and she's from Ribbon, which is in North Yorkshire. Um, she's gained a killer reputation as a deal broker and a financier in the UK and the Middle East. So she's an open girl, uh, and she sounds like she's the sort of person who understands the fans and the culture here, the passion. Um, and I think if she can harness that, she'll certainly use that to her advantage. So I'm glad there's a little bit of Northern element there, because she will understand Northern people and what we expect. And we're not expecting a mega book signing. We just want some passion, and we want to go out there and everybody give their all. And, you know, we're a hard-working city. goes back to the shipyards and the coal mines and we expect the same from our football team because in Newcastle the 300,000 mental jolly fans 
We go to work Monday to Friday and we let our hair down by going to the football on a Saturday. And we haven't been able to do that for the last 14 years. So she's going to bring some real life into the city. And if you've seen the scenes on Sky Sports News last night in a celebration, you think we're just won the Champions League, but we haven't. We've only been taken over. So imagine if we actually win something. So looks good. So who is Stavely? What do we know about her? So she's Cambridge University educated. And instead of actually going to Cambridge, sorry, she's not educated there. She had the chance to study there. And she actually turned it down. Um, and she, to what I like about her, she's a risk taker because she decided instead of going to Cambridge, where she would have more or less been guaranteed a good top job, you know, in UK banking or investment or whatever it is she, she fancied, she decided to take a £180,000 loan and set up a business, a restaurant called Stocks, which was right near Newmarket. Now, anyone who knows Newmarket and horse racing knows that the Middle Eastern faculty or persons love the horse racing. You know, there's a lot of investment gone into horse racing, particularly new market. And that is where she's believed to have made her connections in the Middle East. Um, so it's safe to say she can spot potential and just clearly a people person. Um, and the fact that she can spot potential, I think the club and the city have plenty of that. So she's the director of PCP, and that's the same company that broke out the deal for Man City. And that came close to a £1 billion takeover of Liverpool. Um, we can expect that to be involved in the day-to-day running of the club and be a key figure in corporate deals, shared sponsorship, etc. But I also think she's going to make a massive dent in the community and she's going to do her best to be one of us. And I think it's safe to say she's probably already an adopted Jordy. Um, if you look, when the news was first announced on Sky Sports News, she didn't stand straight in front of a camera she walked out of the building and she greeted Newcastle fans and she was giving cuddles out. So I definitely think she understands her. Um, but for me, you know, when we've got an owner that's got, you know, between them, they're probably worth something like £340 billion. That has to have massive positive effects for the region, from construction to employment. We're going to see higher level of wages, no doubt. We're going to see regeneration of areas that have needed it. And we have patches of land around the football ground that we will see redeveloped. And remember, you've heard me talk about the Newcastle University campus. There is still a lot of space on that campus, and I wouldn't be surprised if the Saudis go out there and try to buy that. Um, the university is still expanding, so I'm sure they won't give it all away, but I'm sure they can make room for them. Um, we've got the St. James's Place development right outside the football ground. So it's safe to say the investment in our region is about to go to monumental levels. Um, Savile's forecast of a 23.9% increase in the next three to four years. I think we'll just blew that out of the water and I'd be expecting, fingers crossed, to be, you know, north of 30% with a bit of luck um, and more on par with the likes of what the Northwest are projected, um, which I think there's about 27.9%. So I'd expect us to be matching there, you know, real estate increases in prices. Um, but for me, I'm just absolutely buzzing, you know, as you can probably see from here if you're watching the video. I have a Newcastle United badge tattered on my arm. I stupidly got that at 15, but I don't regret it one bit. I'm Newcastle mad. But I love my city and I love the people here. And it's absolutely wonderful to actually see someone investing money here because when you get this level of investment, we're not just going to see it from the Saudis. We're going to see other people investing money here. Now, I know in Manchester, I have friends who own agencies there. There's a lot of Russian, there's a lot of Chinese, 
and there's a lot of Asian money there, but there's a lot more Middle Eastern money as well. So I think when one person starts to invest and invests the level of money that they're about to chuck at the city and the club, then expect big things. Um, so if you're not already buying in the northeast and you're all sitting on the fence, get your ass off the fence and start buying some property because we are going to see property prices increase. So I think that's about all I've got to say here um, before I start crying with excitement. Um, so everyone have a lovely day. I'm going to enjoy my weekend and I'm probably going to have a ton more beer. Thanks again, guys. See you later. Property Talk on the Tyne. Investment tips, stories and exciting guests with your host, Tony Fares.